You're listening to the Lompoc Foursquare Church Podcast. Okay, so the last couple weeks we've been starting with Luke chapter 2 verse 51. It said, then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject to them. But his mother, of course, this is Mary, kept all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in what? And, and, with God and men. And so how we summarize this was this way, that Jesus grew in wisdom. That is mental or intellectual growth. He expanded his knowledge. He also grew in stature. That's physical growth. He grew in favor with God. That's spiritual growth. And he grew with men. That's social growth. And I think, of course, small groups is a great uh, point with that, that you grow socially with other people as you do life together. And I think you also grow in favor with God. Um, By the way, the small groups, as you heard, are going to be sermon-based. So what books do you have to read? Um, Well, they're going to be sermon-based. We have a few other groups as well, and you could look in your flyer and see that. But the majority are sermon-based. So we're going to take the sermon and unpack it, you know, because most of us forget the sermon by uh, lunchtime. So we're going to unpack it during the week, and I think it'll be a helpful tool for us all to grow deeper and stronger. But we've been talking about pulling the weeds out. Um, 1 Corinthians 13, that love chapter, but we also recognize that it's the chapter of weeds. And we gave you a list of these weeds that come from that chapter where he said, love is patient, it's kind, it does not envy, there's a weed. It does not boast, there's a weed. It is not proud or arrogant, there's a weed. It doesn't dishonor others, that's a weed. It is not self-seeking. That's a weed. It doesn't get angry easy at the drop of a hat. It keeps no score or records of wrong. That's a weed. It doesn't delight in evil. That's a weed. But it rejoices in the truth, and it protects and trusts and hopes and perseveres. Love never fails. So where do you see these weeds growing in your garden? That was our homework assignment. And by the way, you can do this any day of the week. You just get that list and say, Lord, where, where is envy rising in me? Where do I look at what other people have and and get that jealous spirit that rises in me? Or where am I keeping score? You know, husband three, wife two. You know, you did three bad things. I only did two, therefore I win. But both of you lose because A, you're keeping score. And three and two, that means there were five bad things. So you get the point. I want you to go to Philippians 4 if you brought your Bibles or you have a Bible app. Very, very common passage of Scripture. This is the Apostle Paul who wrote to us in uh, Galatians about the fruit of the Spirit. Now, I want you to recognize all that these fruit are exactly that. They are a byproduct of the Holy Spirit in your life. You cannot produce these fruit on your own. You need to have the empowerment of the Holy Spirit in your life. You need to have His Word working in you, the truth of the Scriptures And the Holy Spirit taking what he breathed here and breathing it into your life. I had a friend years ago, a very, 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 very successful pastor. Large church. And he plants this church and he's got about 40 people, 50 people, 60 people. And within two years, he was running 3,000. That's a big church. And by about his seventh or eighth year, he's running 6,000 people. They've gone five different campuses to be able to house all these people. And then his life crashed and burned. 
Uh, he fell into immorality. He fell into uh, not best practices with finances. It's a bad story, and, and I, I'm well familiar with it because I was on the ethics committee for our denomination, and we had to navigate his future. And I remember him saying to us as he owned his own failing in sin, he said, when I, when I would study the Bible, I would study it like this. I would say, okay, I'm going to study and get a good sermon and a couple funny stories, and I'm going to give it away to people. I'm going to take the word and, and give the word away. I want to make sure people get, 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 get the word. And he said, with tears down his face, what I should have done is taken the word and hit it in my heart and then given it away. There's a, there's a difference. There's a difference. We, see, we, we can have a spirituality that's, that, that, that look at me, I, I'm real spiritual. I got it all together. I'm going to fake it till I make it, and actually I'm going to fake it a quite long time. But when he said these words, he said, listen, listen, my friends, don't just take the words so you can stand in front of people and be charismatic. Don't just be a, 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 a thus saith the Lord kind of Christian without allowing thus saith the Lord to pierce your own soul. You catch that lesson? I mean, you got to catch this. This guy lost his marriage. He lost his ministry. He lost his credibility. People were calling the church asking if their marriages were still legal because he performed their marriages and then he fouled out of ministry. People wanted that to be rebaptized in water. Here's what happened. He gave it away. What Paul is telling us to do is don't just try to create love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control in your life without the who? The Holy Spirit. This is the fruit of the Spirit at work in your life. So now in, in, in Philippians 4, we have the fruit of the Spirit guy, Paul, who told us Galatians 5. It is 62 years after Christ has died, been entombed and resurrected and ascended to the Father. It's 62 AD. And the Apostle Paul is seated in a dirty floor in a prison cell. He's on a short chain to a guard. And the short chain is significant because the guard's not on the outside of the cell. The guard's sitting in the cell with him. And he hears these words. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. He's imprisoned by Rome, and it's while he's in a Roman prison he will write Ephesians and Philippians and Colossians and Philemon. And some 16 times in just four chapters, the book of Philippians, he will say joy, joy, joy 16 times. He'll talk about rejoicing. And I just want to know this. If you were the guard, and you know that in, oh, a few hours, you're done with your shift work, you're going to go home and have a sandwich, but you're knowing that Paul's going to stay there waiting for Nero to determine his fate, whether he's going to die tomorrow or next month whether he'll be released for a short time and then recaptured for preaching the gospel and beaten and left for dead. The guard would hear these words, rejoice in the Lord always. Let me just ask you a quick question. Because I asked myself this several times when I prepared this message. 
Would I say this? If I was in prison on a dirty floor with hardly any visitors allowed, with failing health, knowing that my death sentence is just around the corner. And then if it wasn't enough to say rejoice in the Lord always, in other words, all the time, in every circumstance, in every situation, he said, and he, don't you like how he rubs it in? And by the way, one more thing, rejoice. Question, would, would you say this? When was the last time something happened to you and it didn't go your way and it wasn't to your liking? Did you stop and say, I'm going to rejoice in the Lord? That's tough. The Message Bible reads this way, Philippians 4, 4, celebrate God all day, every day, and I mean revel in him. Raise the banner, you know? Fire up the barbecue. Bring out the pinata. We're going to celebrate. Put candles on the cake. God is worthy of our celebration. And some of you complained when you got up this morning, it's raining. The wind is blowing. The snowman is storing. He went to bed and bumped his head and something like that. Some of you complained about the music today. Some of you complained about the temperature in the room. Some of you complained about the lousy drummer this morning. Well, he's the worst of the four we have. We got Kelly and Tim and Andrew. They're all better than me. But maybe, you thought, maybe some of you are going, honey, I don't like that song. I don't get it. I don't like it. Can't wait till it's over. I mean, come on. Rejoice in the Lord. You know, there's one thing the devil can't do. You know this. He can't take your salvation from you, right? Right? If you know Christ as your Savior and you trust Jesus Christ with your eternity, he dies on a cross, he, he rises again from the dead, and while he's dying, he's shedding his blood so our sins can be forgiven. And Paul, this same Paul who says, rejoice in the Lord, celebrate God all day, says if you believe in your heart and you confess with your lips Jesus Christ as Lord, you shall be what? Saved. And some of us can trust God for our eternity, but we can't trust God for today. Some of us can trust God will take care of us when we die, but we can't take, trust him to take care of us while we are alive. So if the devil can't steal our salvation, you know this, he will rob your joy. He will take away your courage and make you discouraged. He, he will allow you to see life and all the bad things, and pretty soon they will be magnified and God will be diminished. And I've been in some tough seasons in life just like you have. I've been around some tough people. You have too. Some of you are working with some tough people right now. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Celebrate God all day. How do you do that? Well, joy in your notes is a decision that you make each day and through every circumstance. Because joy cannot be produced by human effort. It is the fruit of the Spirit. It's what God's Spirit does inside you and through you. It's produced by a surrender to God. I've had stuff in my life. You've had stuff in your life. And we have to make a conscious and spiritual decision that says, I am going to write this word down. I'm going to laugh. Just write it down. L-A-U-G-H. Some of you need to write it down because some of you don't do it enough. And my Bible tells me that laughter is a good what? 
Medicine, yeah. We only know joy, or we can only know joy, rather, when we stop trusting ourselves and start resting in Him. That's why he said back one chapter, Philippians 3, whatever happens, dear brothers and sisters, may the Lord, what? Give you joy. May the Lord give you joy. Would you, would you just turn to two people real quick and say it? May the Lord give you joy. Go ahead. May the Lord, may the Lord give you joy. Paul in a prison, failing health. Paul in a dirty prison, failing health, writing to the church at Philippi, and there's conflict in the church. People can't get along. There's two women that are having a cat fight, Eodia and Syntyche. They're, they're going at it, pulling hair out. He's writing to them. He's capable of being discouraged and being disappointed. The Philippian church was the first church that he gave birth to in Europe. And yet, they've kind of gotten off the rails a little bit. And he's saying, but I'm going to rejoice. I'm going to rejoice. Now, if you've been here any length of time, you may have seen the first thing that I'm going to do this morning. Um, this is a container. Isn't it great? Went to art school, yeah. And this is the container of joy. And that's the level of joy, okay? There's a level right there. And what happens is when anything is new, we're joyful about it. First day of school, kids are all looking good. New shoes. Got their backpack, not a scratch on it. Every hair in place. That's the first day of school. Come home from school, mom, dad says, hey, how are your teachers? Oh, they're awesome. Until they give you that homework assignment you don't like. huh? How's the new job? It's great. How's the new position? It's great. How's the Marines? Awesome. Best decision I ever made. <laughs> Until somebody gives you an order you don't like. Come on. But this, Nick won't do that. He's going to keep his joy way up here. All right? I believe he will. See, when joy starts to diminish and leak out, um, oh, by the way, I didn't tell you about another new thing. It's called, like, new relationship. Oh, I love to hold her hand. <laughs> Two years later, get away. Come on. Baby, baby, I love your ways. I want to be with you night and day. I just want to hear you breathe. And then later on, you nestle up to her. You've had a little garlic, and she said, Whoo, your breath stinks. <laughs> right? So what was fresh and new has a high level of joy. Yeah. Oh, found a new church, four square, most wonderful church. Until the pastor goes along. Right? So the video announcements are four minutes and 52 seconds. Another announcement? Yeah. Or until you got to navigate kids check in the rain. Or until we play a song you don't like. Come on. Come on. 
People say, I need to find another church because I need, I need new again, right? But Paul is saying, rejoice in the Lord always. Now, here's what happens. When joy begins to diminish, this other container that's invisible appears. And it's the container of wine, but not the kind you're thinking. It's the W-H-I-N-E kind. You got it? There's no, there's no Pinot or whatever. I don't know. I'm not a wine guy, so I don't know. But the wine starts. See, this diminishes, and this connector here starts to fill up. As this goes down, this starts to fill up. And here's what we do. We complain. And complain is a drain on joy. Joy goes down. Gratitude goes down. Ungratefulness goes up. Whining goes up. And here's what happens. When this starts to overflow, I'm going to write the word down. You become toxic. And some of you work with people like this. You're going, wow. He's describing to a T. You fill in the blank. And there's people, I'm just going to tell you this. There are people even in the body of Christ that love to live in this complaining zone. And they navigate or gravitate to other people that are complainers just like them. See, we need to contend that this would diminish, that this would diminish, so it could flow back in here, that joy would increase. You follow that? So you have two containers. It's up to you what you're going to do. Apostle Paul is living over here saying, I'm not going to let my circumstances dictate my joy. I am going to rejoice. Where does he say? In, in, in the Lord. Always. And when I'm done rejoicing, I'm going to rejoice again, to redo it again. I'm going to joy and rejoy and rejoy again. So we have to pull the weeds of whining, and we have to pull the weeds of toxicity. And there's another statement, and um, some of you first responder types, military types will know. It's called hazmat. That's where they put on those suits. And they have oxygen, and they come in looking like they're going to the moon. Hazardous materials. Now, I'm going to do something that you probably won't catch at first, but I'm going to do it twice. I want to give you permission. I want to give you permission to retreat from people that are hazmat. Now, if they're your spouse, I didn't say get a divorce. I didn't say that. I didn't say that. But I want you to make sure you have people in your life that are joy-filled because they're joyful, as opposed to they lack joy. See, it's an oxymoron, joyless Christian. You can't be one. If Christ is in you, he's the hope of glory. And if he's in you, this joy should be high, and this complaining should go. And we should be bold enough to tell each other, Sorry, sweetheart, but I've listened to you lately and you're whining too much. Yeah. Yeah. I got people in my life, that's what they do. They tell me, Pastor B, you're whining too much. Well, come on, I want to whine. Come whine with me, see? You know, you want some cheese to go with that wine? No, come and, come and whine together. It doesn't say that. Let us fellowship together. Let's pray for one another. Let's encourage one another. Now, here's another thing I want to show you. Some of you may have seen this before, and, and maybe not. Okay. 
This, 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 is, this is reality. Okay? Reality. This is the way it is. This is truth. And truth. Now, over here, we have perception. Okay? Perception. Sorry, you guys over there. Perception. The gap between your perception or how you discern a situation in your life, the gap between that and reality is called stress and worry. And he's going to talk to you in Philippians 4. We probably won't have tons of time to talk about it, but he's going to talk to you in Philippians 4 about worrying, about anxiety. Take every anxious thought captive and bring it to Christ. And so if your reality is God is taking good care of you, but your perception is that he's not, you're going to have a stress factor that's going to be off the charts. Um, if you're flying in an airplane and you're afraid to fly, I know people that are, um, they believe that every plane they get on will crash. Pastor, I saw my, my ticket. It said flight 666. It's coming in at 616 at gate number six on the sixth day of the sixth month. Oh, huh? Right? Do, do you know the chances of you dying in a plane crash are less than the chances of you dying on the way to Walmart in your car? Seriously. Statistics show more people die on highways than die in plane crash. There's planes going all over the world right now. You ever see that little train tracker thing, a plane tracker thing? You can get on the internet and go find it. It'll show you all the airplanes flying. I'm going, wow, there's millions of flights going on in the course of a week. So somebody could say, the reality is I am going to land the plane safely, but the perception is we're all going to die. <laughs> see, so what does that do? Huh? Somebody has a cold. I'm not being facetious now. Somebody has a cold and they say it must be cancer. That's their perception. Their perception becomes a reality in their soul, and pretty soon their stress and worry overtakes their joy. You don't, none of you apply to this, but you probably know somebody, right? Right? If you came to church with somebody like this, don't do this to them. All right? <laughs> By, by the way, I'm going to give you permission for another thing. Not everybody's stress and worry needs to become yours. Not everybody's toxicity needs to become yours. And that's where healthy, I believe this, healthy boundaries come into place. And sometimes we just have to tell people to knock it off and give them the scriptures. Just say, hey, listen, I got something to tell you. Rejoice in the Lord <laughs> Always, I mean, by the way, when somebody's in a pity party and in a whining mood and you throw this verse at them, they'll freak out. The truth will, like, you know, well, everything's bad. The world's going to come to an end. And we're going to die today. And, and the San Diego River's going to overflow and all our homes will be washed to surf beach. Right? And you, hey, 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 shh, shh. take a breath. What? Why make me calm down? I'm like fuming here. No, just calm down. Rejoice in the Lord always. And then what? Rejoice again. Huh? I dare you. I dare you the next time somebody says, rah, 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 just give them some of this. Let me give you some of this. Rejoice. 
in the Lord. How do we do this? In six minutes or less, how do we do this? Number one, look at life with an eternal perspective. Listen, Paul knew his reality and his truth. His health is failing. He's in a prison. He's on a short chain to a guard. And he says, I'll rejoice in the Lord. He could have got caught up in the conflict in his church in Philippi. No, rejoice in the Lord. I've said this to you a million times. I'll say it again. It's not all about this, and it's not all about now. And people get really microscopic when they start seeing things from a personal perspective rather than an eternal perspective. Listen to this. When people don't want to deal with the issues of their own life, they will look for those same issues in the lives of others and point them out. Let me say it again. If somebody has an anger issue and they don't want to deal with their anger issue, they will smell and spot everyone else's anger issue and they'll go after that. Well, pastor, you have a verse for that? Yes. Jesus said, don't go after the speck in someone else's eye when you have a log in your own. Log eye. <laughs> That's an old country song. Log eye. Log eye. Anyway. So if you've got a log in your own, you know, blockhead, you will, no, really, if you don't want to deal with the sin in your own life, if you don't want to deal with the worry and stress in your own life or the lack of joy in your own life, you will go after other people and point it out in them. You watch it. Or if you're a person that has lust in your heart, you'll be able to identify everyone else's lust while you don't deal with your own. Hmm. If I was a preacher and we had time, Philippians 4, 5, let your gentleness be evident to all. Oh, in other words, don't, don't worry. You rejoice and let people know that even in difficult seasons, that your heart is gentle. Right. Isn't gentleness one of the fruit of the Spirit? Galatians 5, yep. You let the fruit of the Spirit be seen in you. The Lord is where? Is near. That don't, doesn't only mean uh, that God is near, but in the Greek text, it actually reads this way that his deliverance is nearby. That whatever you need God to deliver you from, his deliverance is nearby. It's much like Jesus who said, The kingdom of heaven is at hand, a new king and a new domain, a new way of doing business. So he says, Turn your attention towards, towards eternity. By the way, when I said the word laugh earlier, I wasn't just being silly. Laughter is a good medicine, and it takes away stress and worry. You know that God has a sense of humor? You ever seen some of what he's created? I, I want to just bring out one. Are you looking at me? Uh, think of the platypus. God makes a groundhog, and God makes a duck. And he said, I wonder if I put the two together. <laughs> I think when the snowflakes fall, I think God loves throwing snowballs at people. You know what, what Dallas Willard said? He said, you will not understand God until you understand this about him, that God is the happiest being in the universe. God has never had a bad day. Sure, things have happened on his watch. He's seen every atrocity and, and every horrible act against humanity, and he's moved deeply, but he's never had a horrible day. 
Because he's, he's happy. This is the God of joy. Psalm 118, verse 24. This is the day. Come on. Lord has made. Ah, let us. You, you old timers remember? This is the day. Come on, you know. That the Lord is. I'm going to rejoice and be glad when. In it. Isn't it interesting? He said, this is the day. It's a choice every day to wake up and say, I choose to be joyful today, and by the power of the Spirit, I will rejoice, and I will be glad in this day. Give us this day our daily bread. Jesus is all about the day. Not, okay, Lord, give me my, this week my, my weekly bread. No, my daily bread. That means we have to be dependent upon him every day. Lord, I want to rejoice in this day that you've made. This is your day. I'm going to be glad in it. Thank you for this day. Secondly, express thanks. Remove your worry. Philippians 4, 6, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests where? To God. So by the way, he knows that you're going to be stressed out, and he knows that you're going to weary. He knows that. He made you with the capacity for both. But here's what Paul says. When you are anxious... When you allow that to happen, you better not be, but if you are, then you go in prayer and with your petition with thankfulness. See, when you're thankful, you raise that joy container. You start being grateful, and you present your request to God. He's telling you, this is how I'm doing it in prison. I'm in jail, but I'm going to rejoice because I'm not a prisoner to the guard. I'm not a prisoner to Rome. I'm a slave to God. I answer to a higher power. It's not all about this. It's not all about now. It's not all about this prison. It's not all about this guard. By the way, the guard thinks that I'm his prisoner, but he doesn't know that he's my prisoner because while I'm here, I'm preaching to him. Please bring in the next guard. The next shift's coming in. Huh? Hey, you know Jesus? Let me tell you all about him. You're getting to hear the prison epistles being written. Are you kidding me? Here's what you have to do to rejoice and present your request to God is to remove the woe is me attitude. If I had time, I would talk to you about this. You may know somebody, it's woe is me. Everybody else has it better than they do. Philippians 4, 7, when you make your request to God and you get rid of the woe is me and you get rid of the stress and the worry, the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I have a friend, he's in the business world. When life gets too crazy for him, he texts me and he says, can you take a call? And I said, sure. And I take his call and he says, lay it on me, Burn." And what do you mean? Just lay it on me, baby. So I'll give him scriptures like this. I'll tell him something funny that's going on and he'll stop for a moment and we'll laugh together and we'll pray for each other, and he'll go on about his day. He's in a very stressful work situation, and the only way he can get through it sometimes is just to be reminded and recalibrated that there's a God that cares about his concerns. Now, you, you need to do that. You need someone like that in your life, but, but, but even if no one calls you or you don't have a buddy like that, a phone a friend, you could stop and say, God, I, I need to just let your peace come. And just pause for a moment and sit quiet for a moment. Even in the midst of what you're doing, you get your 15-minute break or whatever, your lunch hour, 
Just take a moment to be quiet and say, Holy Spirit, I welcome you into my life right now. I cast all my concerns on you because I know you care about me. See, worry is assuming responsibility that God never intended for me to have. It's not my place. The great theologian Charlie Brown, remember Charlie? He's worrying about school. And here's what he said. I'm so worried about school that my anxieties have anxieties. <laughs> or how about this one? That's the secret to life. Replace one worry with another. I hope they're drinking soda, by the way. I don't know. <laughs> Jesus said, Matthew 6, 34, Therefore do not worry, come on, about tomorrow, for tomorrow. Yeah. Hey, let tomorrow worry about itself. In other words, this, this is how it reads. There's enough worriers in tomorrow already. Let them carry the worry. You don't carry it. It's not your place. Each day has enough trouble and troublemakers of its own. Just let it go. Philippians 4, 6, don't be anxious. But present your request to God. Number three, focus on the positive and pull the weeds of negativity. How do you do this? Another homework assignment real fast, and I know it's late and your tummies are growling. I heard two growl just now. Finally, brothers, whatever, would you read the rest with me? True, whatever is Whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about what? Such things. Here's your homework assignment. Every day this week, get up and read this verse. Lord, today I choose to think about whatever is true. If it's not true, I don't want to think about it. If it's not noble, by the way, the nobility has to do with royalty the root word is generosity. If it's not a generous thought, I don't want to think it. If it's not right, I don't want to think If it's not pure, if it's not lovely, if it's not admirable, if it doesn't give you praise, if it's not excellent, I don't want to think about it. If you have a relationship with somebody, uh, your family here today, married couples, whatever, this should be your house rule the next week. We're not going to let any word be spoken in our house that's not true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, or praiseworthy. Boy, be quiet in your house. I think Mark Zuckerberg would go out of business on Facebook. You can only post it if it's true, if it's noble, if it's right, if it gives God praise, if it's admirable, if it admires people, doesn't tear anybody down. Come on. So we pull the weeds of negativity. Number four, trust in Christ no matter what you see or what you know. Paul says in verse 11 to 13, I, I've had a lot and I've had a little, but I know the secret of contentment in every situation. Whether I'm well-fed or hungry, whether I have plenty or I'm in want, I can do all things through him or through Christ who gives me strength. That's his secret. He's connected deeply to him. And the Holy Spirit is filling his life. He knows his reality, but he's not perceiving anything that isn't of God. Before I pray, Fanny Crosby wrote over 8,000, 8,000 hymns. Uh, to God be the glory, great things he has done. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Fanny Crosby. When Fanny was a baby, she was blind. 
And on her eighth birthday, she wrote a little poem. I thought it's a great way to end. Oh, what a happy soul am I. Although I cannot see, I am resolved that in this world contented I will be. How many blessings I enjoy that other people don't. To weep and sigh because I'm blind, I cannot and I won't. My heart for you and for me is that we would live in joy. Joy not only comes from contentment, but it comes from a confidence in God, a confidence in Him. Let's see our joy grow as we pull all the weeds of negativity and worry and stress and say, God, I am going to trust you for my life, for my family, for my friends, and for my future. Thank you for listening to Lompoc Foursquare Church's podcast. To find out more about Lompoc Foursquare Church or to watch us live online, please visit mylfc.com.